all classical arts classical music abroad you go to a western classical music performance bach beethoven mozart it's not as though millions are going after it or any such thing even you go there you find there are 100 people uh, seated in the auditorium it's the, the fundamental difference is you charge expensively for a western classical music performance whereas in carnatic music everything is all are welcome we've somehow got into this very bad habit of throwing away a wonderful art form for free Namaste and welcome to Indian Entrepreneur by Kala Tapasya. This is your host Shweta Nag. For those who are streaming this podcast for the first time, Indian Entrepreneur is a podcast where we speak to authors, art entrepreneurs, performing artists who have developed a unique voice through their work. On today's episode, we have Mr. Shriram Venkatakrishnan, who is an entrepreneur, columnist, music historian, a YouTube vlogger, and a heritage activist. He is also one of the secretaries of the Music Academy Madras by the capacity of which he is the convener for its annual conference in December. Mr Sriram completed his graduation with a bachelor of engineering degree from the College of Engineering Delhi in 1987. In 1989 he completed his post graduation with a master of business administration degree in marketing and advertising from FMS Delhi. Since 1999 Mr Sriram has been doing considerable work on the history of Chennai and the history of Carnatic music. He writes frequently on these subjects for The Hindu and Madras Musings. He has authored over 25 books on various topics pertaining to Carnatic music, arts and history. His book The Devadasi and the Saint: The Life and Times of Bangalore Nagaratnamma fetched him the United Nations Female Population Award. for gender sensitivity in writing his carnatic summer the lives of 22 exponents was described by the honorable apj abdul kalam as unputdownable so let's talk to mr sriram welcome to indian entrepreneur it's really an honor to have you on our show today thank you so much vetnag thanks a lot i really look forward to your questions Yes. Uh, first of all, congratulations on your new book on Chennai, a biography. Could you tell us the thought process and timing behind writing this book? Uh, so you know, the uh, I came to live in Chennai once again in 1993. Uh, while Chennai had always been, uh, uh, or rather, Tamil Nadu had been home, but my father was in a transferable job, and uh, we had left Chennai in 1976 when I was 10 years old. and uh, so we lived in the north essentially we we would come back here for holidays but we didn't have much of a contact with the city but in 1993 i got married and then i moved back here to and then i joined my wife's family in their business which i now run and that is how chennai essentially became home as far as i was concerned and uh, because i grew up in calcutta and delhi essentially i was very fascinated by those cities history and uh, then uh, in 1998 uh, 1999 uh, i was asked by sanjay subramaniam to join him in running a, 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 a web portal called sangeetam.com and because uh, it needed updates every week i got into the discipline of writing uh, of course i i always had a passion for writing but i didn't realize that it would become like this so uh, you know i started writing articles on carnatic music 
gradually i realized that i couldn't separate the history of the city from the history of carnatic music so of you know why did somebody come here or why was a building built uh, which later became a venue for performing music the history of the temples here so a lot of uh, history of the city began to creep in into the articles uh, mr s mutaya who was uh, perhaps the greatest uh, historian of chennai you know he passed away at the age of 90 uh, in 2019 in april uh, he took note of what i was writing and uh, he was bringing out a magazine called madras musings uh, i'll just show you madras musings is a fortnightly dedicated to the history and uh, heritage of the city okay and uh, it is supported by uh, 23 corporate houses of chennai they uh, so it is a uh, it's a magazine that has a readership of around 11000 people and every fortnight it is brought out an eight page tabloid on the history of uh, chennai and the culture of chennai mr mutaya himself was a very great and prolific writer he used to he worked very very hard right through his life several books um and several articles he ran perhaps the longest running column in the hindu uh, every monday on uh, the history of the city so i began he noticed what i was doing and he kind of drafted me into his uh, work i became the associate editor of madras musings and as he grew older i began to help him quite a bit and gradually i began to receive independent writing assignments um, outside of uh, what i was doing with mr mutaya so from 1999 you know i had been creating my own version of the history of the city so to speak i was speaking about it and that year i began the concept of heritage walks here so which has continued till now so because of all that there was a significant corpus of work uh, in writing and then in 2016 during the hindu lit fest i was introduced to david david davidar uh, of uh, the alf book company and uh, nirmala lakshman of the hindu suggested to him that i should be asked to write a book on the city so that is how chennai a biography really came about and uh, i started work in 2016 uh, in 2017 but uh, there were a lot of interruptions my father passed away in 2017 then uh, one year you know a lot of things had to be done so I, i couldn't focus on the book then i began again in 2018 then you know mr mutaya fell ill and passed away and then that required taking over madras musings i am now the editor so that happened then again in 2019 then my wife who's really a very guiding force in my life she said look you either write the book or you tell them no you can't do it but i can't have this suspense going on forever then i sat down and i decided i must write it okay so a lot of the work was done between 2019 and 2020 uh it was completed during the lockdowns and then editing and you know uh, they they went through it went through a fairly rigorous editing on their side uh lots of interaction with uh, them and uh, with the publisher and eventually the book uh, came out this year so that's how it is okay thank you sir uh, when uh, you posted this uh, youtube video of showing the different books of chennai uh, that came in the past uh, you were referring to telugu books written in telugu and also tamil how did you manage uh, because you were grown up in uh, uh, calcutta predominantly so telugu books i don't know how to read telugu i required help uh, people who knew telugu have helped me with uh, what is the content there but tamil i am exceedingly fluent in because my i grew up with my grandmother she was a very uh, important influence in my uh, life 
and uh, she passed away only when i was 15 uh, my father's mother so she made sure that i was fluent in writing reading and in speaking tamil and uh, thereafter i developed my own interest in uh, tamil literature uh, and i continued uh, reading in uh, tamil as well because i lived in calcutta i picked up bengali also so i can read bengali very fluently and i can speak in that language as well so i guess i do have a flair for languages which has helped okay that's interesting sir uh, then according to you why has chennai played an important role from the consumption point of view of carnatic music than any other city in india see uh, you traditionally if you look back at the history of carnatic uh, music or any classical art it depended heavily on patronage of the ruler uh, the king or the noble or the commander or you know the court fundamentally now uh, madras is a is one of the early examples of a colonial city uh, if you look at uh, indian history uh, madras comes much before bombay and calcutta madras was founded in 1639 bombay comes a good 30 years later and calcutta comes only in 1690 so um, uh, so you have a very long uh, period when uh, you know you we had this uh, this this was a colonial city and there were lots of indians living over here in the colonial city in 16 from 1639 onwards so you had a very strange uh, situation where uh, there was no patronage because there was no ruler but the public desired to witness the performing arts so the rich businessmen of the city the dubashes the dubashes meaning the translators dwibhashis they knew english or portuguese and they knew tamil and telugu uh, that was their uh, they they were interpreters for the rulers okay. so these were very rich people and they were the ones who began inviting artists to come here and settle and perform and it was under their patronage that artists began to come here and uh, by within 100 years say by the mid 19th century the dubash system had kind of weakened but then professionals took over the support of the arts so you had the lawyers the doctors the teachers uh, the judges uh, so the arts became democratized in chennai long before they became democratized in a princely estate state like mysore or hyderabad or uh, travancore where a lot of it still depended on the patronage from the court so this was a city where there was a democratic support people support for the arts so in by 1947 this concept had really gained ground in a very big way because uh, you had already at that time you had at least 10 or 15 big sabhas in this city and when in 1947 patronage of the state was completely wiped out uh, all artists began to look to madras as a place where they could come and live and they could you know make a living and not only that by the time the recording industry was located here cinema was located here uh, there was teaching colleges for music and schools for music had come up over here there was a lot of opportunity for artists in this city which is why they gradually began to migrate here and that i guess we are still living on the vestiges of that that you know even so today even though they may call themselves aryakudi ramanujayengar or maharajapuram vishwanatha iyer they all finally lived in madras uh they while they retained their roots in the initials uh, as gnb very famously said you know they asked him gudalur la enna irukku he was gudalur narayana swami balasubramanyam 
So they asked him, what is there in Gudelur? He said, G is the only thing that is left of Gudelur in his name. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he was a Madras man through and through. And so uh, that, is, that is essentially the reason why the city became such an important location for music thereafter. Very interesting. Uh, you're an entrepreneur, historian, secretary at the Music Academy and an author. And you also write articles on the Hindu and Madras musings, as you were just saying. How do you find time for all these activities? I, I, I uh, you know, I have analyzed this periodically. It's a little embarrassing, but I should say it that mine is a very hardworking life. I enjoy hard work. That to me is a great thing. I like to um, spend hours at my desk doing things. Uh, and I also, my grandmother, the, my father's mother, once again, I go back to her. She had this mantra that if you did something, you had to do it very well. Otherwise, you don't do it. Uh, she was a perfectionist in every way. And I kind of imbibed that spirit from her. My day begins very early. I'm up at 4.30. And, uh, I, uh, and though I, I'm a big believer in physical fitness, so you know I do have my uh, fitness regime and things like that. But I ensured that I don't socialize all that much. Uh, I don't uh, meet up with very many people. And secondly, uh, I don't watch television at all. Uh, and <laughs> there is a big negative in the sense that I am not at all interested in sports. Uh, this was uh, something I was challenged in sports in school. I was very bad at all games. And later on, I discovered swimming and all that. And I became very passionate about such things. But uh, I'm, I'm completely uninterested in what happens in the world of cricket or in the world of football. I'm not saying that this is a positive. I am aware that this is a very big negative. But this is the way I am. But therefore, I save a lot of time. Uh, there is a lot of uh, working time available to me, which would otherwise be spent on these things. Uh, my presence in social media, I know, is a lot. But I only post. I don't spend time arguing with people. I don't respond to what they write on my uh, uh, social media pages. Uh, similarly, uh, on school WhatsApp groups, college WhatsApp groups and all that, I have muted them for, per, for, for in perpetuity. And uh, so I, <laughs> I, I'm just there, that's all. So I save a lot of time uh, in all these ways. And that time is spent very uh, usefully in reading, in writing, in expressing my thoughts. I'm also very grateful that I have a home environment, which um, which helps me in in this. My uh, my wife is an entrepreneur in her own right, but uh, she also ensures that uh, I don't get drawn into the humdrum of things of uh, the refrigerator not working, the the you know <laughs> the fuse having blown in the bathroom in the corner. These things are all you know, they, she takes care of it, so I don't get involved in it. So she realizes that I need my time. So, yes, so she is part of your success, as you were saying before. Totally. I mean, without her, I would be a complete failure. She And she and uh, I would see in the sense that I come from a very creative family. My father was a very successful banker. But uh, and my mother, you know, was always very proud of all that I do. My father passed away. My mother is still here. She, she stays with me. But the point is that it was only through my father-in-law, who was a, you know, who, who was an entrepreneur and a very successful one, that I really uh, got to learn about time management, positive thinking, uh, allotting time for various things. 
uh, he was a big guide. He passed away uh, last year, this year of COVID. Uh, he was 85 when he passed away. And that is why this book is dedicated to my father, because my father was the one who first inculcated a sense of history in me at the age of six. He took me to Fort St. George and said, I don't know what made him do that. But he said, you know, you must know this is Fort St. George. I, I somehow still have a vague memory of that journey with him standing on the ramparts of the fort and things like that. Then it is dedicated to my to Mr. Mutaya. And thirdly, it is dedicated to my father-in-law. Because in 2008, I uh, had a kind of a, a major health challenge in the sense that my uh, left eye failed. I developed what was called age-related macular degeneration. And uh, it, uh, it threatened to get worse. And fortunately for me, it was detected in time, arrested, but with a partial impairment, permanent impairment of the left eye. That is when I, uh, you know, I sat with my father-in-law and said, maybe I should give up writing and I should only focus on the business and not deal with these things. And he was the one who sat me down and said, look, if you had inherited three businesses, would you have closed two in order to run another one successfully? You have got the potential in you to do these things. So make time for everything. I will not accept this as the solution. You have to, uh, if you need any help by way of secretaries, people assisting you, this, that, and all that, that's fine. But it's entirely in your hands as to how you do justice to all that you have been given. And he was a guiding spirit for several years before, you know, he became old and gradually withdrew. But the point is that all that, I think, was very useful in my uh, learning how to manage things. But even then, there'll be chaos. Uh, and then I'll uh, begin, uh, you know, cursing myself for taking on too many things. All that is happening, but okay. it's on a more manageable <laughs> <laughs> okay that was interesting sir yeah uh, could you tell us now we are, we are shifting to the musical instruments part of it uh, could you tell us how musical instrument became part of carnatic music uh, such as violin and mridangam see on the mridangam i unfortunately there is not much um, information about when the present structure of the mridangam really uh, uh, came about but you can see uh, from very, very early on from the sculptures that the concept of uh, Bridangam, uh, uh, for instance, uh, uh, in uh, where is this? In Shiva Manasa Puja Stotram, Adi Shankara says, Veena Bheri, Bridanga Kola Hala Kala, Geetam Chandrityam Tatha, uh, Shashtangam Pranati Stuti Bahuvida. At the end of his worship, he is offering music as a seva to the Lord with Veena Bheri, Mridanga. Uh, kolahalam, kolahalam meaning a grand noise and a spectacle and all that. So from Shankara, definitely we know. And then we also know that Maddalam in Tamil, in, in the Tevaram, uh, it is mentioned. So uh, we do have, uh, structurally, it may have changed quite a bit over a time. But if you look at the Hoysala structures in Karnataka, of the dancing Mridangists and all that, you find that the Mridangam is already evolved. You've got the same concept of ropes, holding it together, tassels in the end, two-sided two people beating it with uh, suspended. So Mrizangam has a very, very ancient history in uh, classical music. Uh, it's not something that came about in more recent times. Yes, the present structure of it, I'm not very well aware as to when it was fine-tuned. Uh, but, you know, they'd say that initially it was probably made of mud. In fact, they say Mrit Angaha that it came from uh, saw, it came from mud and then later on it became a wood that also is spoken of. 
But the violin, of course, is a very well uh, documented history that it takes its uh, cue from the British East India Company. Uh, the violin being present in the East India Company's orchestras, which was noticed. And then in Tanjavur court, Sharaboji uh, imports the violin sometime in 1802. And from then on, the violin became a very integral part of uh, Carnatic classical music repertoire. Muthuswami Dikshitar uh, is credited for, of, for you know, he, as we know, he composed the notuswarams based on English uh, tunes. They say that he did it essentially in order to teach the violin. And uh, his brother Baluswami Dikshitar was after all one of the very early exponents of the fiddle, as it was called. And uh, at the same time, you also had the Tanjavur Quartet, of which Vadivelu uh, uh, was an exponent of the violin as well. Dikshitar was his guru too. And therefore, there is some connection there that, you know, beyond which we are not able to proceed, but we know that Dikshitar had a role to play in the propagation of the violin. His younger brother learnt it and so did, uh, uh, you know, Vadivelu. And from then on, the violin becomes a very... Uh, prior to that, the veena was the principal source of uh, accompaniment. And uh, then the violin... See, the one thing about the veena is that uh, it has... Uh, it, it, is a, it is the instrument that is closest to the human voice. There is no doubt about it. But there is a certain continuity of sound in the violin with the bowing that uh, is not possible on the veena. And therefore, I have a feeling that it became very quickly adapted to Carnatic classical music. Full marks to whoever discovered that an instrument that is played like this could be sat cross-legged and you could play it this way. <laughs> full marks, full marks. No doubt about it. And uh, the, the English notes themselves, you know, they are a, a wonderful creation of uh, Dikshita. And if he did it for teaching the violin, then, you know, what an act of genius that, you know, he could just take a tune from Western notation and write Sanskrit lyrics uh, for it. Santatam uh, Pahimam, from God Save the Gracious Queen, uh, and so on, you know, uh, several of those uh, works. It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, historically, where were these music instruments manufactured? Uh, there are places very, you should ask somebody like Lalita Ram, who is really an expert on this subject. I'm not uh, so well qualified to comment on it. But I would say that, see, uh, for one, they talk about the... Uh, uh, the Nagaswaram, for instance, is always associated with this place called Narasingam Pete in the Tanjavur district because that reed, which is used for, uh, you know, setting the pitch and all that, that grows in that uh, area. And then uh, we have uh, the, uh, the Veena, of course, because of its preponderance in the Tanjavur region, that becomes a very important place for it. The uh, Ghatam, as we know, you know, Mana Madurai Ghatam, and then uh, you've got three or four places where the ghatam is made. But these are all localities which are very closely associated with the performance itself. So uh, wherever the, uh, you know, the music was needed, these instruments came about and they got to be made in all those locations. So that's how it is. It's, uh, in some cases, we do know that, you know, for instance, uh, even though Mridangam manufacturers flourished more in the Tanjavur area and all that, but the wood was coming from various places, the jackfruit, which is used for... So, I think it was more a question of convenience as to where the uh, uh, instruments were being made and close to places of consumption. What is the role of 
organizations like Madras Music Academy in today's context? Uh, in today's context, they provide a, a performance venue on a regular basis. Uh, let me start like uh, this way. A, we are repositories of information because uh, we have an extensive library which has been built up over 93 years uh, with around 5,000 books in it, some of them dating to the 19th century. For instance, the very first Carnatic music book printed, the Sangeeta Sarvartha Sara Sangrahamu, published in 1856, we have the edition with us in our library. Uh, 120 books out of our collection have been recognized as exceedingly rare and they have been digitized. And we continue digitizing on a regular basis and we've now taken a decision that all books published before 1940 will be digitized and available with us uh, electronically so that people don't have to lay their hands on the original uh, anymore. So that I would say has been a very important role. Uh, secondly, uh, the uh, one of the one extremely important uh, function that all Sabhas and, and the Music Academy more so largely because of its continuity uh, has been the fact that we have these competitions that go right through the year, which become the stepping stones for young talent to uh, then continue performing in public over a period of time. So recognition by the Music Academy counts for a lot. So uh, youngsters, they begin from what is known as the uh, Spirit of Youth Festival. So you have the Raddle series, which is called the Spirit of Youth Festival. Then you have the HCL concert series, which is the next level. Then if they qualify in that, they get a chance to perform in the junior slot in the December Music Festival. And the junior and the sub-senior slots in December, remember that they are free for the public, but the artist is paid for performing. So when you so they become a venue where the audience can actually come and listen in a high degree of comfort to young talent and evaluate whether that talent will continue in the future, whether it's worthy of patronage. And then gradually you find that that artist gets promoted and makes it to the senior slot. The, the, uh, the, role, the Sabhas therefore perform a very important role of showcasing talent. I would say that that is really the most important role that they have. They also conduct performances right through the year by way of endowment concerts, uh, then you know by way of small mini series. Of course, the Academy doesn't do a mini series, but it conducts endowment concerts right through the year where uh, young talent comes in, like a Thyagaraja day or a Dikshita day or Shama Shastri day. So compositions get uh, you know, performed and noticed. A very big challenge to the world of Sabhas is now from the electronic media. So artists may choose to bypass the Sabhas themselves and they may just put, on, put out everything on YouTube. And uh, a much larger audience may end up uh, listening to it. Correct. So in my opinion, the Sabhas themselves are in a big cusp. Uh, they are in the cusp of change and they need to recognize that. Uh, so uh, organizations with financial muscle, we are able to afford to record those free concerts and put them up on YouTube by ourselves. And therefore... An academy channel uh, putting up a concert holds the same prestige as an academy platform being made open. So, you know, we are able to uh, kind of retain our role in the field, so to speak. But what happens to Sabhas that have not invested? They don't have financial muscle. What is the role that they play is open to question. And uh, post the world of COVID, 
there is going to be there is a bigger turn in the offing so you now see artists like sanjay subramanyam ranjini gayatri and all they have gone on to present themselves to a ticketed audience online so uh, where does the sabha then play a role what happens to the sabha this becomes a major question i don't have an answer for it right now the uh, bigger worry is there is a huge and i will say and i will call it an indisciplined audience which uh, imagines that everything should be made available for free so if an artist says i am performing in this sabha at this time the next question is is there a youtube link um, can i watch it on zoom or they just go there and record it on their cell phone and put it up on a channel thereby depriving the artist of copyright uh, of income earning uh, capabilities and if everything is going to be free for the audience where does the carnatic artist make money he or she needs some source of income yes sanjay subramanyam ranjini gayatri and the senior artists will draw enough crowd and more power to them to run sabhas by themselves but what happens to the middle order what happens to the countless aspirants who are wanting to go up uh the sabhas have to answer this question today and uh, that is where we are facing uh, that is the situation that we are in at this point of time yes it's a disruption from this online uh, media it's very true uh, could you tell us uh, about how you select the topics for the books you have written until now i think if it is if i am if i get the data right it's more than 16 or 17th book right <laughs> the last count is 23 okay i have become like one of those parents who produce babies very frequently and all i am interested in is that the books have come out eventually and are healthy and are doing well <laughs> so that is my uh, beyond that i <laughs> i would say that the excitement <laughs> it's nice i mean i still feel very proud excited when i have a book but <laughs> sometimes i wonder whether i am a hack but uh, the thing is that uh, carnatic summer came about because of mr mutaya and mr padmanabhan who used to run a very successful publishing house called east west books from madras today it's absorbed into amazon uh, the company was eventually bought over by amazon mr padmanabhan is no more now his son is the ceo for amazon india gautam padmanabhan so they were the people who asked me to do a book and i selected the lives of 22 exponents to uh, do it then came uh, the devadasi at the saint which still remains my favorite book among all that i have written i have the biggest uh, carnatic summer incidentally when it was published i told mr padmanabhan nobody will buy it you're just wasting your money on this carnatic music he he just smiled and kept quiet and even now i think of him because that book has been in print since 2004 till date uh, people are still buying it uh, and when i went on this autograph signing uh, thing last week for at all the bookshops for my new book many of these bookshops brought forth carnatic summer and said please sign this also because lots of people continue to buy this okay. but bengaluru nagaratnam biography remains my favorite then i did the music academy book at that time what happened was uh, mr l lakshman who who was the chairman and is still uh, you know the chairman emeritus of the rane group rane group is a large industrial group based headquartered in chennai uh, he invited me to write their uh, biography the corporate houses biography i was very reluctant because i was only interested in doing um, arts books but he said no no you you have a business background and you should be doing this for me so i said fine when he wrote the contract for that book he told me you mark my words you will always have a book in the offing and that's exactly what happened uh, so the bulk of the books that i have done are commissioned biographies if you ask me 
about various industrial houses like the TVS uh, group companies, amalgamations group companies, uh, Sundaram Finance. So uh, out of the 23 books, almost 18 are commissioned uh, books that way. Then the other books are like the history, the, the guide to Fort St. George. These were things that I wrote myself and then a publisher was interested and then I you know, wrote it. That's how it was. What should be done differently in order to increase the consumption of Carnatic music? Is it to bring out more devotional pieces or how do you see the trend of... I don't see, first of all, I don't know whether Carnatic music has the wherewithal to uh, have a, a larger ta target audience. Uh, I don't know. Uh, all classical arts, classical music abroad, you go to a Western classical music performance, Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, it's not as though millions are going after it or any such thing. When you go there, you find there are 100 people uh, seated in the auditorium. It's the, the fundamental difference is you charge expensively for a Western classical music performance, whereas in Carnatic music, everything is all are welcome. We've somehow got into this very bad habit of throwing away a wonderful art form for free. Uh, the, you know, that, as I mentioned earlier in my earlier answer also, I believe that it's a two-way process and there has to be an audience that realizes that artists have to be remunerated for what they are doing. That is the only thing that will encourage artists to perform better. See, Tamil theatre is a huge tragedy. In the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, 50s, Tamil theatre used to run to full houses. Drama. Tickets used to be sold. Artists were professional theatre artists. Cinema actors would come and act on stage because they wanted to get an eye, direct contact with the audiences. That was the allure of Tamil theatre. Sometime in the 1970s, Tamil theatre changed completely and became an art form where they decided that they needed to sensitize the public or what is it that they were doing? I have no idea. They just decided that they would depend on sponsors. They wouldn't sell tickets. Gradually, the number of people buying tickets became less and less and less and less and less today. And with the TV coming in and then, you know, uh, the onslaught of videos and whatever we have on the cell phone. Today, nobody goes to see a Tamil play. And these sets are tacky and you don't have any professional theatre artists anymore. They are all amateurs. Imagine if the same thing happened in Carnatic music. Suppose I, with, you know, I have learned music off and on and therefore I can sing five songs. Can I turn into a Carnatic artist? But imagine if it was finally left only to the amateurs. This is what I am worried about more than anything else. And therefore, I would say that the time has come for us to evaluate the economics of the whole thing more than anything else. Unless there is a sustaining model for a larger number of people, we will not get more number of people into this art in form of artists. And for that, the audiences have a very responsible role to play. They need to play that. Only then will we have a healthy ecosystem where artists will also grow in number, audiences will also grow in number. There'll be more performances, more people to watch. I, my guess is that everything starts from a fundamental of economics. Unfortunately, everybody quotes Tyagaraja. Niti Sala Sukhama. Okay, he lived in the 18th century. We don't know how he lived. He had two and a half acres of land. He, his students may have brought things. In that era, it was all right. You could live that way. But today, every child wants to go to a good school. The artist's spouse wants the artist to bring in money. Artists want to go around in cars. It's not enough if the audiences are gadding about in Mercedes Benzes and expecting the artists to go on a cycle. 
how many people will take to this art form this is my question i feel that audiences should pay more and should encourage more and that is the only way this concert this art form is going to survive in the long run it's reached that point where it's going to tip either way okay uh, compared to the past are temples playing any significant role in propagating this art form today very few temples are the big temples uh, there again there is no difference between the devotional and the classical so on the same platform you will have uh, blaring uh, speakers and uh, a devotional uh, music performance it also have a carnatic music performance the you know temples today are not the temples of the past right there's a huge floating population the noise levels have gone up like anything but yes some temples have are continue performing playing a very important role for instance the very idea that a nagaswaram troop is as attached to a temple that itself is a huge sustenance many nagaswaram artists take to the nagaswaram knowing that at some point of time they do have chance to be employed by the temple administration that takes care of some basic income and so that the oduvars the ones who recite the tevarams they are employed in temples so there is uh, there is an employment opportunity temples have annual festivals where music concerts happen so artists are invited there is remuneration apart from remuneration there's huge publicity so an entire uh, area comes to know that there's a music performance people come and listen for free we do need free concerts as well and in kerala there is a huge temple ecosystem that supports carnatic music in a very big way they invite carnatic artists from tamil nadu to come and perform at their temple festivals the kind of crowds that you get in a kerala temple festival to listen to carnatic music is unmatched the silence with which they listen is unmatched there is discipline among the audience over there a tamil audience is not so disciplined uh people walking up and down and but kerala audiences are different so temple still does play a very important role there is no doubt about it temples and mats okay uh kodakur mat for instance uh then the shringeri the kanchi lots of the udupi mats udupi mats yes yeah yeah Uh, do you think that we need to do something about how history in general is taught at schools be it changing the syllabus taking children on heritage walks like you do i think uh, that should be increased i i saw so i i completely agree because uh, you know when i was in school i hated history because it was only about reading about the dates and the wars and things like that and the human element was completely removed from history so you never knew how shah jahan lived or what were aurangzeb's in, internal conflicts uh, you know how did the begums react to several things that's the kind of thing that brings the drama the uh, so when you read uh, that is the reason why several of us uh, grew up reading western uh, uh, authors on indian history because they were able to bring in that dramatic element which interested us and therefore we got a very wrong view of indian history as well because we were reading east india company accounts about our rulers like the rani of jhansi and all that and because you read what they wrote you thought okay these people were not good and these rulers were the best these east india company rulers were the best they were the most honest then gradually you began to read subaltern history and you discovered that the east india company was perhaps the most corrupting influence possible and the officers were the scum of the earth and uh, while our rulers may not have been entirely straight forward uh, there was very little to choose from and then you know ultimately human nature remains the same 
Uh, all of us are uh, have our pluses and minuses. But it's the drama, the human drama element that, you know, for instance, when you read something like Amukta Malyada of Krishna Devaraya, you realize what a wonderful artist this king was, how observant he was of human nature. You come, you get a completely different view of King Krishna Devaraya. All the on the other hand, when you read history books, you only textbooks. He conquered uh, Orissa. Uh, you know, he came down south. Fine, but then what was he like as a person? That's when you come to love a personality from history. And certainly, you know, for me, Akbar, Krishna Devaraya, these are all people that I positively dote on. Uh, you know, their their breadth of vision. Uh, the fact that they were able to achieve so much in their lifetime, in a time when there was no communication, big heroes. So that is where, only when you read about all these things that you realize. So that element has to be brought in into history. That is where I think things like heritage walks. Uh, I do know that in Delhi and all that, where of course I didn't study in school, but in some of the schools, even in the 70s and 80s, they used to have regular heritage tours to monuments and stuff like that. Uh, I wish all that would happen uh, everywhere and, you know, children are taught history in a very different angle. I agree totally with you. Okay. Uh, could you suggest the must-read books for Carnatic musicians or in general performing artists, if Bharatanatyam too, uh, where should, what should be the best books for them to start uh, knowing the history element aspect of it? Um, see, uh, I, uh, I wish I could give you a very clear answer, but let me start from where all of us began reading about Carnatic music and Bharatanatyam history, the archives of the Shruti magazine. See, Shruti magazine began in 1983 and uh, till date it is still coming out. But definitely the first 20 years of Shruti were when the maximum documentation of artists' lives, written in the most beautiful English, uh, very analytical and very objectively written, that is when it was done. So the archives of the Shruti magazine, I think, would really form the backbone of what we would today recognize as modern, uh, uh, you know, uh, writing on uh, the classical arts. Uh, scholars like Arudra, uh, Telugu scholar, the great Telugu scholar Arudra. Uh, then, you know, if you look at it in Tamil, B.M. Sundaram's writing, Marabut and the Manikangal, which is, a, which is an excellent documentation of Devadasis across various villages and towns of South India names that we have uh, completely uh, forgotten uh, today. Leela Samson's Life of Rukmini Devi, Douglas Knight's Life of Bala Saraswati, uh, Master of Arts by, uh, what's Badrinath, Tulsi Badrinath. Master of Arts is about the life of VP Dhananjain. Now, this is what, these are all the books that give you an idea of what is the struggle that goes on in the life of an artist. Uh, like Dhananjayan as a male dancer, uh, Bala Saraswati as a Devadasi stay, staying true to her tradition and facing all the opposition because at that time we were going through this huge reformist, uh, you know, uh, I would call it a moral uh, stance that we were taking. Rukmini Devi for what she did. So, so I would say Leela Samson, Douglas Knight and Tulsi Badrinath would form the three great books to give you a very good idea of 20th century dance and what happened uh, in the independence, post-independence and modern era. So if you read that, you get an idea of remunerations, about struggles, about biases, uh, physical health. Uh, Bala Saraswati never knew what were the illnesses that she was going through because medical, it, it didn't exist in, the, in those days. Imagine if that woman had, if that great artist had lived today, 
for that matter, Vasantha Kumari, if she had lived today, if she had lived on till the age of 90 and all that, how much we would have benefited from their, uh, from their art. Uh, we were denied that. Uh, if, imagine if a GNB were to have lived up to his 80s and not have died when he was not even, um, when he was just 60 or whatever. So these are all the, uh, you know, very important aspects, I would say. These are all some of the great books. Okay, that was a good list of books. Uh, my last question, uh, who are the musicians in today's generation you follow closely? Uh, as you, as everybody knows, I am a very close personal friend of Sanjay Subramaniam. Yes. And to me, in the present generation, he is still, uh, I, I mean, I hold him in the greatest of regard as perhaps the finest artist that I have listened to. Uh, lots of people have criticized me for being secretary of the academy and then saying this, but then I was the friend of Sanjay Subramaniam long before I even thought I will become the secretary of the academy. And I have witnessed his growth as a great artist. But in today's generation, I find a lot of youngsters whom I think are uh, very, very uh, full of potential. I am leaving out the top rung because they are already very well established. Yes. But if you ask me, uh, there is uh, Sandeep Narayan, Yes. There is uh, Ramakrishnan Murthy, Bharat Sundar, um, this, uh, 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 there is uh, Sri Ranjani Santana Gopalan, whom I think uh, is a lady uh, with a lot of potential uh, in her and who will definitely make it to the top rung. I mean, they're all already there. And uh, then Ashwat Narayanan. Uh, who is uh, very good, blessed with a great voice as well. Uh, that's always an added plus. Uh, uh, you know, Sikil Gurucharan with his very soft, uh, silky uh, touches. So, you know, he has got a niche for himself. So these are all artists whom I find uh, will take the flag forward and uh, all the best to them in every way. Uh, I look upon all of them with a great fondness because they have taken to a very difficult career. One in which they have to be tested every day. Uh, I don't know about you, Shwetnak, but there are days when I can say, I don't feel like going to office today and I can sit at home. You cannot do that when you're a Carnatic artist. You can't get on the stage and say, today I don't feel like performing, I want to go home. You have to give your best. Otherwise, the audiences will write damning reviews about you. Critics will criticize you and they'll finish your career for you. And why do they take to this profession? The remuneration is not all that great. Your performing window is only so many years. Then you are kicked upstairs. You become a senior artist. And yet they do it. So they are all very brave individuals, in my opinion, who have followed a passion. So I, uh, I, I wish all of them very well. And I hope they all succeed. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir, for this lovely conversation uh, in different aspects that we were able to give insights uh, to us and uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank sir. you for calling me over. And yes. uh, it was great talking to you. Bye. So I hope you enjoyed listening to Mr. V. Sriram on various interesting topics on Chennai and Carnatic music. Do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google or Apple. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook page Kala Tapasya for quick updates. We catch you soon on another interesting episode. Until then, stay safe and have a good day. Kala.